What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They walked away with, in my opinion, the biggest honor in the NFL last night. A great moment for the Pittsburgh Steelers, for Cam Hayward and his family, and really anybody involved in the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. On top of that, we're going to dive into some new coaching hires. TJ Watt obviously getting snubbed for Defensive Player of the Year and for the last time this season. Very sad moment here. Our picks for Super Bowl 58. It's uh, not as nice as it's been. It rained a little bit last night, but that's all right. It's still a beautiful week in the Burks. Supposed to be a beautiful weekend for Super Bowl 58. I'm gearing up. I, I don't know if you uh, saw the comments. We were kind of texting back and forth a little bit, but Everybody and anybody tells me, you're going hard this weekend. This is a 48-hour sprint. Do not let us down. I'm just here to say I'm trying to make everybody proud. I've already given my family warning. I've sent all the screenshots that I've sent to you guys to my mother just to make sure that she is well aware of what's about to take place Saturday and Sunday. How are you feeling? You as excited for your weekend as I am for mine. I, I am. You know, I'm really I, I hope that you continue to send us updates. Um, I hope your mom <laughs> understands. Um, I'm, I'm sure she will. You know, when, when yeah. people on the Internet tell you that you need to to drink irresponsibly, I think it's your duty to, to do that. So I, I hope she really understands that. Um, and I'm just as excited for your I, it seems like you I'm rooting for you as much as I'm excited to to have a weekend of my own. I'm going to I'm going to live through you as well. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try my hardest. We, we got it prepared. Um, I was told that the specialty drinks at this party are espresso martinis. And mm. yeah, like, I, mm. I don't know. But if you're going to tell somebody who's trying to drink excessively and, you know, responsibly excessively, obviously, yeah, that there's going to be caffeinated drinks there to just keep it going. Right. I don't know. Uh, great combo. In my head, I was like, this is fantastic. If my mom is sitting around going, man, this guy might he might embarrass me. Maybe pull the espresso martinis around 9, 10 o'clock at night. Either right. way, I'm excited. I got like 40 cigars sitting right there ready to take with me. About to make this five-hour trip. We'll get a kick, and I'll keep everybody updated now on Monday. If I can barely open my eyes, we're still doing a <laughs> podcast. So I'm excited for it. Very excited for this weekend. Let's dive into some Pittsburgh Steelers ginormous news that happened over the last 24 hours not only did they hire one coach but they hired two reportedly retaining a third it seems as if their offensive coaching staff is now nearing completion those names are Tom Arth as a passing game coordinator Zach Azani as a wide receivers coach and keeping quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan for another season you hear those names all are two of them Arth and Azani came in earlier this week to interview with the Steelers both of them leave with jobs. They replace, well, at least for Azani, replaces Frisman Jackson. No Heinz Ward for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Arth comes in from the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, you get the news. You, you saw what was happening. Uh, what were your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, with Azani and Arth, it seems like they got their guys uh, in a certain way. I mean, didn't bring in, or at least didn't reportedly bring in any uh, any more guys for interviews. Um I think the thing is that these guys are a little unproven. It's uh, the bulk of their experience built in college. So don't know a hundred percent of what you're going to get uh, from these guys, but I think you like uh, the idea of some youth, uh, some youthful energy, some new blood um, coming into the Steelers this year. Um, and hopefully just 
guys that can connect with this kind of younger group of of this younger offense that Steelers have right now, um, especially yeah. at the wide receiver position. I think about that with with Azani first and foremost. And Azani like has some some relevant experience in the NFL. I think a little bit more uh, than ours. So you're hopeful about that. Um, the art thing is is interesting, just because you know, like I said, it's been mostly at the college level. Um, his experience and. Uh, you know, he had one year with the Chargers where I think you're inclined to look at that and say, oh, he worked with Justin Herbert, worked with all these great receivers. You know, it was uh, he must be a pretty good coach. Um, I think the one thing that concerns me is his one year with Justin Herbert. It was Herbert's worst year of his career statistically. Yeah. I, I don't know what kind of stock you put into that. I mean, there were a lot of reasons why the Chargers weren't very good last year. But I think you look at those numbers, uh, you can draw the correlation right there or you can. uh you can kind of connect those two things, and uh, it does make you wonder. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Azani, to me, I think was not a very splashy name. A lot of guys are looking at it and going, oh, well, he spent time with the Bears and the Broncos, and then obviously the Jets, not really impressive. I think he's got a couple of good names there. Obviously, Garrett Wilson's a big one. Cortland Sutton, I think, is a good wide receiver in the NFL. Jerry Judy, for what Jerry Judy is and the injury history that he has, I think is progressed nicely for the Denver Broncos. Um, and then, I mean, his one season, I believe his one season with the Chicago Bears was with Darnell Mooney, his like breakout year. So that's got to be impressive. On top of that, he's got plenty of passing game coordinator uh, experience in college, worked with AB at Central Michigan. So, I mean, instant Steelers connection and AB was a monster at Central Michigan. So I think there's some upside there. I like the potential there. Arth, I agree with. I think it's I don't know, not as sparky as as some people hoped that it would be. Maybe not the upside kind of felt like, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to make of it because it didn't feel like, like, I saw people trying to compare it to a Matt Canada. Oh, you're just going out to get a guy because he has experience and, and you're, you know, this is just who you want. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I think that they see this as a guy who has some potential, who is still an up and comer in the NFL. But I think it's risk at the same time, and I think you could have taken less of a risk if you went other places. I don't know where those other places are right now, but I do think that it's a it's a bit of a curveball, a bit of a, a question mark for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially with this short time in the NFL. I'm not opposed to it. I think both of these were Arthur Smith hires, or at least he had some influence in, in these hires. And if he has faith in these guys, if he's looking at both of them and saying, I think these are, are great coaches to bring on to my staff. I'm all for it. I'll give them an opportunity. But I, I think I'm I think I'm more impressed with Azani than I am Arth. And I mean, maybe a little worried about Arth and what he's capable of. At the same time, you think he has or how much of an influence do you think he has on this offense? Because at the end of the day, Arthur Smith is still the offensive coordinator. He's still gonna be the guy calling plays and and running most of this offense. Yeah, I mean I think he's going to have an influence on it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think you bring a guy in who's just going to kind of stand around and do nothing. Um, and you're not going to create a position. Like that's the other thing. Like yeah. he comes in at a, as a pass game coordinator. This is someone that they, it's a position that they said, okay, we need this now. Uh, and I doubt you would hire someone that you think, you know, just isn't going to do anything for you um, in that position. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, it's, this is the posi- kind of position where I feel like you, if you're the Steelers, you can kind of afford to take a risk. Like I know it is a risk, but it is Agreed. a it is a lower level position. All of that risk is kind of filtered through Arthur Smith, and you know you trust his judgment. Um, if you're you know especially if you're hiring, making him the offensive coordinator. So 
I think this is kind of an appropriate place to say, okay, we see some potential in this guy. We know the the experience isn't everything you might want, but uh, you know, like you said, it it seems like an Arthur Smith hire, and it seems like he wanted to take a swing on a guy that he believes in. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you can it's it's hard to make evaluations right now just because we haven't seen you know Tom Arth in this in this position quite a bit. So, um, I'm really interested to see what this kind of uh, becomes, what kind of influence he has on the offense. And then um, kind of what, uh, what role he plays in like quarterback development as well. Like yeah. how much do you trust him to do that? How much does that fall to Arthur Smith versus Mike Sullivan versus, uh, versus Arth himself? So I think there are a lot of interesting questions. Like I'm eager to get to hear from this guy for the first time and say, Hey, like what, what do you exactly, this is a new thing. Like, what do you kind of envision your role in this organization being right now? I agree. I agree. At the same time, what do you think of Mike Sullivan? He retains as quarterbacks coach. You, I mean, those those two almost go hand in hand. Quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinators, typically the same job or at least, you know, share the same duties. I mean, they're, they're keeping them. Do you think that, I don't know, how do you see that dynamic working, I guess, would be the question. Well, it's just a lot of voices, right? In yeah. Kenny Pickett's ear, in whoever else joins his quarterback room in their ears, um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of opinions. I think as you kind of make a quarterback evaluation moving forward, you know, like it's a lot of perspectives to consider when you're talking about when when as we move through the season. Okay, is Kenny going to be? Is Kenny our guy? Is he performing up to our standards? Is he progressing yeah. in the ways that we want? Um, and then it's also, I mean, in quarterback evaluation this offseason too. Like I, I think it's pretty clear that they are they are taking one last shot with Kenny. Uh, but you know, who do you bring in? What kind of goals do you have for uh for what this next or for what your backup plan for for Kenny is? Is it an experienced veteran? Is it a guy that you draft? Is it um a Kirk Cousins or a Russell Wilson versus a Jacoby Brissett? So I think there's just gonna be a lot of opinions and it's gonna be a lot of um there are going to be a lot of voices going around yeah. uh, and someone's going to have to be able to kind of put their foot down and say at the end of the day, no, this is, this is the direction we're going. Luckily you have a guy like Mike Tomlin in there who has as strong a personality as anyone in the national football league. So I don't think it'll be tough for him to make a final decision, but he's just going to have a lot of information to digest. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think it's a lot of voices. I'm okay. If Sullivan isn't one of those voices. You know, like if it's just Tom Arth and Arthur Smith, I'm cool with that. Let Mike Sullivan just deal with the quarterbacks and prepare his quarterbacks. But at the same time, again, it goes to evaluation. And how do you feel about these guys? You're going to go with Sullivan. To be totally honest, I don't like I kind of wanted a clean slate. I, I like Mike Sullivan. I don't want that to be taken out of context. I like Tom Arth and I want Tom, Tom Arth to have a voice in the quarterback's room just because I believe the Steelers need a fresh pair of eyes to evaluate their quarterback situation. I think that they need people to, that'll be there working with these guys to say, eh, Kenny isn't that guy. Whereas in Mike Sullivan has a relationship with the, with both of them, whether it's Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett. And he's seen Kenny Pickett develop from day one. He knows who he is as a person. He knows who he is as a motivator. He knows who he is as a captain, whatever. All the intangibles that Art Rooney and Mike Tomlin and everybody else love. To get somebody else in there to just see these are our quarterbacks, watch them play, see who's the best quarterback, I think that is, like, that's very needed for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just remove all the intangibles and just look at it and say, who's a good quarterback? And then you start diving into the intangibles. Because I think if you go the other way around and just say, 
well, he's a winner, but you end up with guys like, and no offense to Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, but you end up with guys like Baker Mayfield. You end up with guys like Jameis Winston or like guys who are just diehard motivators who are really, really good at the intangibles, not necessarily the greatest at the rest of it. And sometimes that works out. I think Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback and a starting quality quarterback. Sometimes it doesn't because I don't think right now Kenny Pickett is and people view him as a starter in the Steelers locker room just because his intangibles are off the charts. So I think a fresh pair of eyes is good. I'd like to limit those voices while keeping Sullivan. I like Mike and I think he's a good dude and I think he deserves a job and has a great resume in the NFL. But I, I think when it comes to Arthur, I hope that he has somewhat of a voice to say, Hey, this is who our quarterback's going to be. This is how we need to handle that situation. So I agree with you. I hope that, you know, it, it feels like a lot of voices. I hope they limit those voices and that's where they uh, that's where they take it from here. How long do you think before anybody, and it's going to happen, you know it's going to happen, how long before you uh, you see Justin Fields coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers to follow Tom Arth? How long, or not Justin Fields, uh, Justin Herbert coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers to follow Tom Arth? How long, how long before that headline pops up? I mean, it depends how weird Jim Harbaugh is going to be in their first meeting, quite honestly. Like, because, like, look, Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. He's a complete yeah. weirdo. Like, he's a good football oh, yeah. coach. And those things kind of like go, yeah, like you, I don't know, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, you see the like stories about him, like sleeping over at recruits houses. Like <laughs> he's like, it just he, like real weird thing? stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was in Michigan, uh. he like literally slept over at someone's house. It He's a bit of a freak, but like, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with him being a good football coach sometimes. But yeah, yeah. it's just how much, cause Justin Herbert also strikes me as a like, I don't know, pretty chill dude, like good at football, yeah, yeah. but not like he's not maniacal in the same way that Jim Harbaugh is. And like, how does that personality mesh? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe Justin will Herbert be. will want out. And if he does, you know what I mean? Tom Arth, his his one he's year. Good pal. Yeah, he's good pal. Tom Arth, you know, coming to the Pittsburgh. Why not? Why? Why not? Makes a lot of sense. Um, I do see that popping up at some point like it is. I didn't know that about uh, Jim Harbaugh. That's. That's why there are other to stories too that I like I'm forgetting, but he's just had a couple instances where you're like, huh, that's like nothing, nothing like problematic, but it's like, yeah, huh, that's a little, that's a little out of left field. That's wild to me. Yeah. I got it. That's could you imagine if like some coach shows up at your house and then you're, hey, uh, I'm going to spend the night. If that's cool yeah. with you, I'm going to hang out with your kid all night. long. I'd be like, you're not going to Michigan, pal. You're not even you could cross right. that off your list right now. Yeah. And it's like, what oh. is what is Jim Harbaugh doing that night? Or like, you know, it's a Friday night or whatever. And he's like, he's at this kid's house and I don't know, the kid the sleeps couch? In, like, yeah, the kid sleeps in until 11 and then he wakes up in the morning and Jim Harbaugh comes down to like eat breakfast. Like, what? What are you talking about? No, that's Dude, weird. So, that's are you weird. showering in this kid's house? That's so weird. Yeah, that is. That's. Yeah. Didn't know that about Jim Harbaugh. Maybe Justin Herbert will want it. I'd want out if my coach showed up and was like, hey, I'm coming out. We're going to have a sleepover. That's how we're going to get to know each other. I'm staying on your house. We're going to sleep in the same bed. It's going to be fine. I would like, lock my doors. I would. I'd be like, dude, I'm out, man. I'll retire tomorrow if you show up at my house tonight. There's no questions about it. That's wild to me. Didn't know that. That being said, maybe, you know, maybe we just talked ourselves into that narrative. It'll happen eventually. Last night, the NFL honors happened. Um, your thoughts just on the NFL honors as a whole. I got to say one thing, and that is. I think the structure of it was a little bit better than last year. Last year, I don't know if, if anybody else remembers this, but I do when I was talking about it all day long with my fiance, 
I'm like, man, dude, I hope they don't do this again. Last year, it was like the the honors, like the honoring all the 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 NFL people who have passed throughout the year. And then immediately after was Kyle Brandt doing his angry run thing. And I was just like, is this a real thing? Did you just do that? Like nobody right. thought that this was going to be weird. Um, glad that that didn't happen. Your thoughts uh, as a whole, you know, Circus Olay coming out. A lot of, I mean, Prince Harry giving out the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, making fun of football for rugby. Uh, your, your thoughts uh, as a whole before we dive into the awards. Well, I'm not a huge like award show guy. It's just not, nope. not kind of my thing. Do you so, watch I mean, any other one? Besides the NFL honors? No, no. I Not mean, me I, like, I, I kept an eye on the NFL honors, but I kind of like kept it on mute while I was like watching a basketball game, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. So I like, you know, I, I don't feel like I got yeah. the full experience, but I, yeah, I, award shows not for me. I feel like I, that kind of colors my view of it. I think the NFL honors are fine. Um, I think they try to make too many awards though. Like yes. as much respect as I have for Najee Harris, like what we were doing angry run of the year. Like I don't, and that wasn't even his best run. We were talking about that before we got on. Like nah. producer Nick was saying, there are a million other Najee Harris runs that were more aggressive than that one. Like yeah. nice stiff arm, but what, what are we doing? I, I, I think they can make it shorter, and I think they can, they can be more selective with certain things. I agree. It can also not start at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. What the hell? Like I, I gotta I go to bed. That's what I'm saying. I was like, there's just no need for this. It's the middle of the, it's the middle of February. Like you, nobody's trying. This is not football season. We're past the staying up till 11 o'clock at night thing. No, um, I agree. I, I have it. I had like a double screen action going on on my laptop. I was looking up uh, gaming monitors because my brothers are trying <laughs> to convince me to start doing Twitch and playing Call of Duty with them, um, which I'm not good at. So if that starts, at least it'll be funny. Um and then I was watching it and yeah, I just, I'm not an award show guy. I don't, I like comedians, but I don't like, I don't like them in the moment. It's just a lot. It's a lot going on. Um, but it was cool. Big awards. Najee Harris wins angry run. Cool. Wasn't his best run. We both agree with that. At one point, this guy carried like half a football team for 20 yards. And right. that was, a, that was his angriest run. Hands down. Uh, TJ Watt wins Deacon award, which I don't understand that award. It's just you had the most sacks in the NFL. I thought that was just what that right. was. Like you led the league in sacks. Cool. Didn't know that you won an award, but shout out to TJ. Uh, Cam obviously wins Walter Payton Man of the Year. I think that's where we should start. Well-deserved. Was super hyped to see that one. There are a few people in the city of Pittsburgh, if anybody, who do as much for this community as Cam Hayward. And every year I like write that story and you have to dive into everything that he's done and and all the stuff that he's done throughout the years. And every year, it just kind of seems like it's getting bigger and bigger, the list. And it's crazy to to just look at it and to understand, like, this guy, it, we know how much football players put into the game of football. Like, we understand how much of a full-time job plus so much more that is on a, on a regular basis to still be able to be a dad, be a husband, and do as much as he does in the community. Awesome. Um, so I think that's where we should start. Huge congrats to Cam. Very well deserved. Yeah, and it's a little bit like uh like LeBron James and the MVP in like the the mid two thousands. Like that guy could have won it any year from you know, during his career. Like he has been the same guy in this community for his entire career. Um and so, you know, the fact that he won it now is kind of like a lifetime achievement award. It's it's yes. uh it's a recognition of not necessarily anything special or out of the ordinary that he did uh against his own standards for this year, but it's just 
uh, a recognition of who Cam has been over the course of his career, and it's it's kind of like finally given him um, the recognition that he deserves for for what he's done. Agreed, agreed. Dude is one of a kind, incredible human being. Um, excited to talk to him today. We're we're talking to him conference call about eleven thirty this morning. So very excited to uh, get his things. His speech too was awesome. Um, and then how about let's talk about this when they showed that video beforehand. I don't know if you were still on mute at this point, but. <laughs> That little kid with the balls to be like, yo, your dad, what would you say to him right now? I was told that that was the first question, that that he went to this school, they opened it up to the children, and this kid was the first one to yell that out, to be like, what would you ask your dad right now? What would you say to him if he was still around? I was like, dude, the guts on this kid, man, unbelievable. So that kid's got a great career in journalism. Yeah, I don't know, yeah like, we're bringing that kid to the next Mike Tomlin press conference. That's we're... what I'm saying. At one point, he will be sitting next to us, and we'll be like... This is you, pal. You just yeah. you do your thing. We're going to watch. We're going to observe from you. Um, incredible. The other award, TJ Watt blew up Twitter, blew up social media as a whole. He didn't even show up. He learned the results about an hour before the show, said, ah, I'm not going. No chance. Going to dinner with his wife, Danny. Did not win Defensive Player of the Year. That award went to Miles Garrett. There was conversations all night long, um, but we kind of knew this was coming. Everybody knew this was coming. We've talked about this plenty of times. We'll talk about it one more time here. Your thoughts on Miles Garrett winning Defensive Player of the Year, TJ Watt coming in second, which is definitely well-deserved. If he came in third, I'd be like, this is unbelievable. Um, last night at the NFL Honors. Yeah, I think it was a little fr- frustrating. Like, I know it doesn't matter in a whole, like, in the grand, yeah. in the larger scheme of things. Like, TJ's got one. Like, if TJ didn't have one, I think I would be – more like I would be a little more annoyed about this. I would think it'd be a bigger deal. Um, but I mean, it's just the record's always gonna, you know, like the record books are always just gonna say Miles Garrett was the best defensive player in the NFL this year, and I just don't think that was true. Yep. And it's frustrating because you can't like you can point to the stats, you can make some really, you know, some longer arguments about it, but it's just gonna be frustrating when the only response that anyone has to has to ever give is, well, if TJ was the best defensive player in the NFL. Why didn't he win defensive player of the year? You know, and it's just like, that's going to be the entire thing for the rest of time. Uh, it's just that miles Garrett is going to be able to hold on to this and, and Browns fans are going to be able to hold on to it. The Browns are going to be able to hold on to it. And it just didn't really make sense to me. It was built on hypotheticals. Like, Oh, if there was a play to be made here, miles Garrett would have made it. Um, yeah. but it, you know, it was TJ Watt who was making all of those plays. Um, like my, and I just, I don't, I don't know. We we went over this. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but like the predictive stats are fine in some in some contexts, but at, at a certain point, it's got to be about what you actually did on the field, not what you might have done if you know the ball came your way or something like that. Like, yes, at some point you just gotta you gotta make the plays, and the counting stats have a have a place in in modern football. So, like, why are we why are we abandoning those so quickly? Um, it, it's just it, it seemed a little silly to me. I agree. I agree. It felt as if, and and I'm all for like, I'm all for analytics making their way into football. I think it helps a lot. I think that it gives us a a better view of the game to completely remove stats is ridiculous to, and and to just go off and like, that's the thing that gets me is, and we've talked about this before. It's not that TJ watches sack the quarterback a lot this year. It's not that he just beat Miles Garrett in that facet of the game. He beat him in every one of them. He scored touchdowns. 
He came up with pass deflections. He played coverage. He got an interception. It, like TJ Watt did everything. He did everything you could possibly ask for a defensive player to do to make an impact. And to me, like that's what defensive player of the year is. I feel like people have narrowed it to such a small box to where it went from at one point it was like just sacks. And then people were like, all right, well, that's that's a little, you know, we get we got to broaden our horizons here. And now it has moved to just analytics, just that one analytic. And I'm like, if you look at the grand scheme of things, even if Miles Garrett did win pass rush win rate or whatever, whatever you want, whatever it's called, whatever, whatever analytic that is. TJ Watt won all of the other ones. So it's still like six to one. It just doesn't make like it doesn't make sense how it went to just sacks to just pass rush win rate. And that just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it makes sense to anybody in the NFL. It's crazy to me. But my problem with it, I think Miles Garrett's a good defensive player. I think he possibly was the second best defensive player in football this year. It just seemed like from the beginning, training camp, maybe before training camp, we knew Miles Garrett was going to win defensive player of the year this year. It was just there. The narrative never went away. Next year kind of feels like it's Micah Parsons turn because that's what this award has turned into. It doesn't turn into that with offensive player of the year. It doesn't turn into that with MVP. It hasn't turned into that with anything else. It's just turned into that with defensive player of the year. It has gone from who is the best defensive player of the uh, in the in football to who has not won one. Who do we need to get? Who is the next guy? Who is the next guy? And what sucks for TJ is I think he would be. I think if JJ Watt never existed, TJ Watt would have two, maybe three of these already. But because his brother played and did it already, another Watt brother doing the same thing is super boring. And those who like narratives and those in the media love narratives. Like those are the guys who vote on it. And I get it. Like I, we we do the same thing. But you have to have an understanding that they love they love a good story, you know, and their brain subconsciously loves a good story. TJ Watt went in three of them after his brother won three of them. That's boring. That's that's not going to that's not going to spark anything. We've already done this with a Watt brother brother before. I, I think that I think that it's it's almost preconceived of who's going to win every year. And that's what my issue is. Yeah. And I. I just so I understand that. I just don't understand what's more compelling about having one guy be preordained as the defensive player of the year from training camp from August and then yep. just carrying that all the way through. Like no one thought, okay, this should be a battle between TJ and Miles Gate. Like it never felt like TJ was in the mix for it, quite honestly. Like no. it felt like he was in the mix for it, but he just kinda always had that sinking feeling that it wasn't gonna matter. Like what he did yes. on the field, like what he how he played, how many games he played, you know, what he did or didn't do, just never felt like it was going to be able to keep up because, you know, all the analytics were were favoring Garrett, and that wasn't really going to change throughout the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah, it, it's – I don't know. It, it, it was frustrating. I did see that everyone's tweeting the stats about, like, Miles Garrett's sacks, like – that Miles Jack had uh, as many sacks over the final six games of the regular yeah. season uh, than Miles Garrett did, like – I, that's, yeah, that's the craziest part to me is, all right, the Cleveland Browns went, I don't know, the last six games of the year, one, two, three, four, or three, three and three. They went three and three in those last six games, made the playoffs. Awesome. Joe Flacco, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Joe Flacco wins comeback player of the year last night, which is a, another absolutely ridiculous thing to happen. Like 
I don't understand what comeback player of the year is. I think we need to define that a little bit more because in my opinion, comeback coming back from from like literally being dead is is as good of a comeback as there could possibly be. Like that is the ultimate comeback. Coming back from sucking when you play for the Jets. Not like that's not and I love Joe Flacco. I think I, I mean he was my number two. I, not not the same, not even remotely the same. To have Joe Flacco win comeback player of the year clearly showed that this dude made such an impact in their final run, their final stretch to get to the playoffs and make this impact and whatever, keep their hopes alive, carry them as far as they needed to be. In the in that last stretch of the season, Miles Garrett did nothing. Did like literally nothing. And it it was it, the Browns would have been, I mean, the Browns would have been just on the verge of a playoff. That's where they were before Joe Flacco showed up. If you're going to give that honor to Joe Flacco and say that was Joe Flacco, how is it? How was it also Miles Garrett if he did nothing? It just it, you couldn't convince the people who voted for Miles Garrett otherwise, and I think that's the problem. But you lay it all out; it doesn't make like I don't know how a Browns podcast is sitting around going like having such a long conversation about how Miles should have won it because there's just not enough arguments. And I get it; everything is biased, but it's tough, and it's tough for T.J. Watt, especially when it's all said and done because. At this point, he should have two, and that's like a totally different thing. To have one and to have two is you've you've almost cemented yourself as like you're a generational talent at that point. And if he doesn't get two now, it's like, oh, yeah, he was really, really good, you know? But if you weren't there, if you weren't able to watch, you don't understand how dominant T.J. Watt actually was. That's what that's when it becomes a bit of an issue. Next year, I'll tell you this, dude. You're gonna, if you're going to piss off T.J. Watt, Steelers fans should be pretty excited about that one, you know? Because, I mean, he didn't win defensive player of the year and had 19 sacks. So, you know, maybe next year is going to be a little scary. That's all we can say. That's all we can say. All right. For the last time this season, very sad moment here on all Steelers talk. This is, I, I might cry. I might cry <laughs> a little bit. Um, I've been working on these all week. The parlays are loaded. I know exactly how much money I have left in the FanDuel account, and I plan on spending every single penny of it before the end of Sunday night. Especially, I mean, if if we're going if if we're going drinking on Saturday, you know what I mean. If I'm smoking right. stogies and drinking espresso martinis and dressing up in a like if I'm wearing a suit with my phone in my hand with a cigar in the other hand and an espresso martini with the cigar, I am a hundred percent gambling on sports. There's nothing else that you can do in that moment. I expect to spend every dollar in my FanDuel account. That being said, Super Bowl Fifty Eight is Sunday. I believe, I'm not totally sure, Nick, do you have the lines down there? I believe San Francisco is still two and a half favorites uh, over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm looking at one and a half Ooh. as per ESPN.com. Do we have an official word down there, Nick? Yeah, per ESPN.com, it's one and a half for San Francisco right now. One and a half. What's the over-under? Uh, it is 47 and a half, which is lower than I. So That's I, low. That's I took low. it at 49 and a half yesterday. Or I took the under at 49 and a half yesterday. Sorry to spoil my Would pick, you go but... over the 47 and a half? <sighs> no, actually. Probably not. You're honestly, thinking a defensive game. I am. I think this game is going to be really boring, quite honestly. I hate to break it to everyone, but this game is going to stink, I think. I think both defenses <laughs> are going to... I think both defenses are going to kind of lock down, quite yeah. honestly. 
that would be cool. I'd be all about that, you know, especially because I'm I'm the guy that I'm a little bored of the the Kansas City Chief dominance. And we talked about this last week at, or Wednesday or whatever. And and I'm like if Nick Bosa gets the quarterback once or twice, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be excited. I'm let's go, you know. Um, especially my dad's a Broncos fan, so to be to get to watch the game mm. with him, you know, like be it's gonna be extra. Yeah, he's gonna be juiced up. Like he's gonna be he he's gonna be ultimate 49ers fan. And to walk into that environment. Uh, it's just going to surround, you know what I mean? Like you were going to walk in and I'm going to be like, yeah, dude, Christian McCaffrey, probably the greatest player of all time. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. That being said, one and a half, 49ers can't believe they're favorited. Cannot believe they're favorited. You can't? You could? Dude, yeah. they, they barely won twice. The, oh, did the Chiefs dominate the Ravens last weekend or something? Yes. No, they didn't. They won by 10, but that was like an ugly game. Yeah, by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that had nothing to do with what the Chiefs were doing. That was Lamar Jackson laying an egg. I agree that Lamar Jackson laid an egg. I think that I think that the the Chiefs have looked more have looked more impressive during this playoff run than the 49ers. The, the Chiefs also shouldn't have even been in that. Like the Chiefs, let's be real, like they're a shanked field goal away from sitting on their couch. They are uh, 100%. 100% I will 100% agree with that one. 100% agree with that one. Um the 49ers are also a Jordan Love doesn't doesn't throw an interception twice in the last like three minutes away, and and the Detroit Lions with the worst the worst fa- the the worst downfall of all time. So I think it's even. I think it's evenly split. But you did get me on the Bills. I forgot about the Bills game. Lost a lot of money on the Bills game. Unreal, unreal. Yeah. We're gonna have to win that back this weekend. One and a half. San Francisco 49ers over the Kansas City Chiefs. Who you got? What's your score prediction? You're saying it's under 49, so you're saying boring game. What you got? Yeah, I'm going with the 49ers. I think the 49ers win. I think they cover. Let's go. Uh, I'm going 23-17, to 17, uh, 49ers. I feel like 23-17 is a good game. That's an exciting game. I, I feel like with these two off, like, I don't know. When I see Patrick Mahomes versus, like, you know, Debo Samuel and Nayuk Christian McCaffrey, I, I feel like points, you know? But I, yeah. I, I like both these defenses. Um, Chiefs have been carried by their defense all year, all the year. So if they're going to be competitive at all, uh, they're going to have to lean on that defense. And the 49ers, I feel like they're going to be content to just kind of sit on this game. You know, like they're not yeah. going to have to work for it. I'll, I'll give you this. I did place a bet the, uh, yesterday that was DraftKings had a special that was more field goals than passing touchdowns thrown. So I, I took that. And you're saying and, yes. Yes, I am. So that, that gives you a hint as to how I feel like this game's going to unfold. So you're saying two passing touchdowns, three field goals? That's what your that's what your thoughts. That's what your I mean. They could be there? they could touchdowns could be rushing touchdowns. You know, I just I, it could it could definitely could. Oh, that's a good one. I might consider that as well. All right, the field goals are always sneaky. You know what I mean? Always sneaky. Twenty three seventeen, huh? Yeah, forty niners. I want to go forty niners. I'm rooting for the forty niners. Like yes. I will say that. With I am rooting for the forty niners. I'm um you know pops. If you're watching this right now. I'm coming. I'm. I'm. I'm not bringing the Patrick Mahomes jersey. My mom. Did I ever tell you that one year my mom for Christmas got me a Patrick Mahomes jersey just like randomly? I was like 25 years old. I was gonna she's say like, like, <laughs> he hasn't been in the league for that long. You're not. Like, she was like, I, I, she was like, I asked somebody who the best player in football was, and they told me Patrick Mahomes. I was like, Mom, when was the last time you saw me wear a football jersey? First of all, and second, why would it be Patrick Mahomes? Like, why? Why would you think I could walk around the city of Pittsburgh in this? Like. Uh, uh, but I have it. It's in my closet. Um, 
I, I want the 49ers to win. I will be rooting 49ers. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. It stinks. I'm even going to bet. I'm, a, I'm even betting for the 49ers. There will be no money placed on the Chiefs. And I'm, you know, so, but I have to be, I have to be honest in this pick. I'm going Chiefs. I'm saying, I'm saying 31-27. 49ers got a shot. This is a redo of next year, of last year. 49ers got a shot to win it at the end. Brock Purdy throws an interception. Game ends. That's, uh, that's the way it goes down. 31-27. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a heartbreaker. At that point in in the night, nobody's going to be happy about it. But I'm saying the Chiefs pull that one out. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Do what you have happens. coin? Do you have any like you know? Are you betting on Gatorade color or coin? Yeah, who are you? Gatorade color. I'm going yellow. Okay. I everybody goes orange. I'm going yellow. I'm thinking yellow. Uh, coin toss is always tails. Always yep. tails yep, never yep, yep. fails. If you mm-hmm. bet heads, like I just don't trust you as a human. You know, even if you think it's going to be heads, I don't trust you as a human. Um, what do you got on both of those? I got another one for you. I didn't. I didn't do Gatorade color. At least I haven't yet. But uh, I yeah, am, I haven't done either of these yet. I did. I did put put a little bit on coin to on uh, coin toss coming up tails. I did. All right. All right. You got. Uh, I got two of them for you. First kickoff, touchback. Okay. Or returned, and the, this is a Taylor Swift one. Taylor Swift's Showtime over under twenty eight seconds. They have it at. <sighs> well, okay. So I'll I'll say first of all, I think it's touchback on the first possession. Yes. Or first kickoff. I think everyone just kind of, you know, everyone's a little nervous. You know, no one yep. wants to actually, you know, break the ice. So I think I, I think that's that's going to be a touchback. Uh, Taylor Swift, I think over because it's a long broadcast, you know, long. Like it's it's a long it's like this is like five hours. So, yeah, there's no and, and especially during the halftime show. Like, yep. I, I bet there's going to be just by the volume, you know, like, yep, she won't. Her percentage of the screen time won't be different from a normal game, but it'll. But since it's like a five-hour broadcast, yep. we're going to see yep. a lot. Of, we're going to see a little you, bit more. There's no way you're doing a show at halftime of a performer without showing Taylor Swift at least yep. once, probably twice. You're definitely doing it every time Travis Kelsey catches a pass, and I expect this guy to have a game. Like there's, yep. you know, it's Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. That's just what he does. I, I'm going over as well. 28 seconds is not – that's not even close to enough for me. I think you can only bet that in Canada. So if you're in Canada, I'm hammering the over. Yeah. yeah. But here in America, I'm just – I'm open for a good game. I thought this was a free country, but, you know, it's, it's not fine. Betting-wise, not betting-wise. Then to all our listeners who are not in a betting state, we'll try to win for you. That's yeah. all we got to say. We'll try to win for you. With that said, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. We are really trying to push the audio downloads, so make sure to check out, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts or anywhere else you get your audio podcasts. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy a beautiful weekend in the Berg and Super Bowl 58. Peace.